Welcome to Therapy Paranormal, episode two, season two. This particular episode, we're going to be talking about skinwalkers, and also we're going to be talking about UFOs or UAPs, depending on which one that you want to go for for the title, seeing how there's been an official name change that's happened. Both of these things have been encountered all around the world. And me and Dalt decided that we were going to jump into this subject and, and impart some wisdom and give out some good details and, and talk about it for a bit. I'm your host, Pax. If you haven't listened to Therapy Paranormal before, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, we appreciate you following back up with us and hope you enjoy this podcast. So, Dalton, how has life been? Well... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just same old stuff for me. What about you? It's staying busy, staying busy, the usual, but spend a lot of time. Usual suspect. Yep, yep, usual suspects. Spend a lot of time doing a little bit of research on a little bit of Skinwalker stuff. I have some background a little bit with UFO stuff, UAP stuff, but the Skinwalker stuff wasn't really my forte. I, I, I know of it and, and heard some stories and stuff, but I really wanted to dig in and, and see really what that was really about more so and discover some pretty well, cool things. Well, the Skinwalker thing is something that I don't offhand, I don't remember if it was my buddy Gary or, or my niece out of Tennessee there, but they were asking what was our next episode. And I said, well, we're going to do some stuff on UFOs and aliens and <clears throat> stuff like that. And they pretty much said, well, you should do skinwalkers. And I said, well, I know this, you know, you know, the series, the TV show is out. Yeah. yeah. Never seen it. I've never, never seen it. I mean, I think I tried to watch one episode where they're standing out there in the desert by a mountain and oh, oh. they're waiting they're waiting for some kind of light to come in or something, but I, I couldn't get into it. So I just, I never did watch it. So I don't, you know, as not as much as I do. <laughs> gotcha. Definitely understand that. So tell me this before we jump into it. What subject do you have a bigger interest in? Is it the UFOs, UAPs or skinwalkers and why? I would say the UFOs because I was actually present in 19, let's see, was it 97? I think it was, or 98. I think it was 97 because I was driving for U.S. Express at that time. So it had to be 97. But <clears throat> took a load out to uh, Arizona, and I was actually present for the UFO that was hanging over Phoenix for like eight hours or something, like eight to ten hours it was hanging over Phoenix, Arizona there. Hmm. Maybe they had a to-go order that wasn't ready and they were just waiting through the drive through <laughs> Well, you know, nowadays fast food is not fast. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, that you know, that's pretty interesting that you say that. For me, I'm actually kind of conflicted. I, I have a, a really big interest in, in UFOs, which as individuals that have followed up with it from the late 50s going forward until recently. Do you know what UFOs stand for? Yeah, unidentified flying objects. Exactly. Now, do you know that 
certain entities at certain places officially have officially changed the acronym of UFO to UAP. Do you know what that stands for now? I do not. It stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So hmm. it is no longer just a item that is flying, but it is now coined as something that is happening <laughs> in the environment that can't be described. So, well, what's just paranormal? I mean, you know, that's why we're talking about this because basically anything unexplained is paranormal activity. So it could be UFOs, it could be skunk apes, you know, Bigfoot, aliens, could be, well, normal, our normal deal, what we normally do you know, ghosts and spirits and stuff. So anything unexplained is in the paranormal realm. Also, just to let you know why I was thinking about it, the other way to describe UAP, okay, also stands for unidentified anomalous phenomena, depending upon which organization that you are quoting their textbook from for reference just to give you a heads up there Dalton well that and that to me <laughs> potato potato when you when you yeah well tomato tomato ain't even close there I mean you're talking aerial which sounds more legit than anomalous I guess but I mean what's the definite what's the definition of anomalous you know compared to aerial that would be the question at hand on how you would handle saying man i don't know who said anomalous you know which which uh it, it it depends on the the entity that is referencing it it looks like there is multiple ways to refer to this new definition which goes with different guidelines for organizations so well and see anomaly i just looked it up deviating from what is standard normal or expected yeah okay so how does that I mean, so let's that look means, at that. that aerial. Means, that means Dalton is a UAP then, because you know you're, right. not, you're not standard nor what's expected. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm well. We're paranormal investigators. We're not normal. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my theory. But I'm just, I'm, just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that you know they're using the word anomalous, and when you look up the definition of anomalous, you know you're deviating from what is standard normal or expected. So how does that tie into unidentified aerial phenomena, which is what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a UFO or a UAP, right? It's an aerial phenomenon. It's, it's an unexplained flying object. It's, it's, or a light, it could be a light or it could be. Well, I think that's, I mean, I think you kind of hit it right on the head there. As some individuals may be aware, other people may not, certain entities that are nationally recognized throughout the world have started opening up the coffers and disclosing history that's been sealed away for decades of things related to the UFOs. And also with that, text documentation and also video or photos have started to been trickled out and released different things. So it's giving no longer the perception of, Hey, maybe it's just an item 
you know, or an object, sometimes there's, from what it appears, things that are at play that are happening that have been recorded or documented that aren't necessarily maybe a solid object. So that's, I think, also why they updated the terminology saying it's maybe no longer just a flying object because if it doesn't look dense or it looks transparent or translucent, then, hey, maybe that's something completely different altogether. I don't know. I'm I'm still going to go with the aerial phenomenon because, and pardon me while I keep clearing my throat sometimes, I haven't been, I've been a little bit under the weather, congested and stuff, so I might even sound like I'm, talking through a tube or something but i'll go with the aerial phenomenon it sounds a lot better to me than the anomalous when i when i read the definition of anomalous that makes no sense to me at all but that's just my opinion right so you know but yeah you know it's phoenix was interesting the interesting it was it was kind of weird because the, the the thing that happened was we we rolled out to phoenix and of course you you look over the top of Phoenix and there's this eye that you, you didn't even really know it was an object. You just seen these lights and they call, and they're called, they call it the Phoenix lights or the lights over Phoenix, whatever one you want to use. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the thing was, was we delivered a load early morning. I think it was like four thirty five o'clock in the morning, the next morning. And these lights were just stationary and they were V shaped. They were kind of V shaped. And of course, you know, they all felt it, it fell back to the it was weather balloons or, you know, something like that, which, you know, when you look at a weather balloon, they flicker, they do things. These are just followed from what I when I from what I recall from this. This was this was just a V shaped solid lights, like a bunch of lights. And it happened like mid midnight, like not midnight, but like mid evening. OK, so like somewhere you know, eight o'clock till one or two o'clock in the morning or, or something before midnight or something like that anyway. So, but here, here's the interesting part that made me really think about how legit this is because the next morning we went to go deliver our load at, like I said, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. And there was a convenience store on the corner. And I was, for some reason, I normally don't do this in a rig, but for some reason, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm thirsty. I'll stop here and grab a drink because you never know how long it's going to take them to unload your truck. And sometimes we're sitting out there. We don't have stuff to drink or anything. So I stopped at this convenience store and I went inside to get, to grab some water. And I was walking up to the register and there was a USA Today paper sitting there. And on the front page of this paper was a picture of this object floating over Phoenix, right? Hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, the, the other driver that was with me, he's like, come on, man, we got to go. We're going we're gonna to be late getting there. You know, we're only like 10 minutes down the road, but we're pushing for time to be there on time. And I said, well, <clears throat> I didn't think much about it. Being in the paranormal field, I should have thought about it, but I didn't think much about it. And I said, well, I'll just grab one on the way out. When I get done getting unloaded, I'll stop back by here and I'll grab one of those US Today, USA Today's. And and read whatever was printed for that. Hmm. And so we got unloaded and it was only like three hours later, if that. We come rolling back by and I said, Well, let me stop 
I'm going to stop and grab something, another water, but I'm going to go in there and grab that paper. And he's like, okay, he waited on me. So I went in there and lo and behold, every single paper was gone. What? The whole, yeah, the whole stand was empty. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way that there was that many people that rolled. There was probably a hundred and something copies of USA Today or whatever sitting in the stand. Hmm. They're all gone. So I look at I look at the cashier and I go, hey, you know, what happened to those USA Today papers? And they said, you know, I don't know. They said a couple guys rolled up here in a in a blacked out car, came in here, flashed a badge or something, and then said we're we're confiscating all these papers. And they took every last USA Today paper out of the stand and threw it in the back of their car and then, you know, hauled butt out of there. Now, some people would be like, what'd you just say? But me, I'm looking at him like I smiled and I just go, okay, well, then that was legit. <laughs> that UFO flying over to Phoenix was a legit thing. If, if a few hours after they, po- they put this paper out that somebody in a blacked out car showed like flashes a badge. I said, you didn't pay attention to what kind of badge it was. And he's like, Nope. He said they were in suits. They flashed a badge and said, they're taking all those papers. And I was like, whatever, dude. That's interesting. All the papers. That is interesting. Yep. 1997, man. That was the year. So yeah, I lean a little bit more towards the UFOs, which is a good thing because, you know, I've, I've always dealt with spirits and, We've talked about the ghost side of the thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've always had an interest in UFOs because we can't be the only ones in this big old universe by ourselves. I mean, and then you look at like, you look at like Egypt and the pyramids and how they were perfectly built pyramids. I mean, maybe there was a guy that was smart enough back then. I mean, like I, like I mentioned before about the grave robber that robbed the graves and then he found these stones that had etchings of like people looking through a telescope and people doing open heart surgery. And this stuff was rated like, you know, an AD, the, hmm. the, the rocks were rated from AD times. So it's, it's, it, it, I guess what it did was it sealed the deal on me for UFOs, you know, looking at that because, Oh, and another thing, there's a lot of once I started researching UFOs and I started getting into it, I found out, first of all, that there's a lot of activity around Phoenix itself. And but here's an interesting thing. And I've only done it once. And if you take your finger on a flat map, basically, and you basically put your finger in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona and go straight up in the sky and come straight back down to the other side of the world, it lands right in the middle of Egypt. So imagine that. Weird? Mm. Yes. That's interesting. Very, it is. Very, I mean, you know, Egypt, you know, Egypt has a lot of phenomenon going on over there. So for it to line up that way is kind of, you know, the only thing I, the only thing I need to do is figure out what constellation, like you go straight up to the sky and you come back down, what constellation is right there. Well, That's an idea. I just thought about that. Well, it, it also depends on what time of the month it is and, and where the earth is in rotation to everything else and all that stuff. Time of day. This is true. This is true. But being that, you know, a guy, a guy took, 
you know, took because things move, things shift. Yep. The earth in, in the earth. And, and I think it was the North Pole or Antarctica or something has moved like five times. It's been in five different places. So hmm. it, there's a guy that, you know, pretty much spent his life researching how many different times that the North Pole and the North Arctic or whatever has moved. And it's been in five different locations. So possibility that the way the earth shifts and everything. But anyway, we're getting into another subject here. But it's, uh, but yeah, Phoenix Lights, I think, just kind of sealed the deal for me on UFOs. And especially after somebody came and confiscated all the US to, USA Today papers and I couldn't buy one. Just imagine if I bought one, dude. It would have been cool to be like maybe one out of what? A couple of people that might have been able to have one. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That would have been ridiculous. You know, you, you speak of that experience. I've, I actually have one myself. I was, let's see, I was in a foreign country and I was sitting on a balcony a few stories up one night. It was a cold night in the wintertime over looking over a bunch of fields and I look up and I see these three dots that are look like following each other, you know, spaced out perfectly. I'm like, ah, okay. I'm thinking they're planes. And then at the last second before I turned my eyes away, it was a clear night. It wasn't cloudy also. It wasn't rainy. It wasn't fog or anything like that. Probably about two in the morning. Then I see the three lights completely all break formation and go at all of these crazy angles that no flying object that I could consciously think of could do geometry wise <laughs> out of nowhere, you know? And then it was almost like they were trying to chase each other. And then they went right back in to just going in the same direction that they were heading originally. But it was, it wasn't like over time where it was like, Oh, Maybe they're planes and they're, you know, flying after each other and then they're just going back in formation. It was so sporadic. I mean, we're talking like you look up, you see the lines of dots and then they just all go after each other. I mean, it's kind of like if you look at one of those snow globes where everything's nice and calm and then you shake it up and everything's all over the place crazy inside. Well, that's exactly what the lights were. And then next thing i know that's how it was so it was it was pretty interesting it's interesting well it's always interesting and you know the one thing i can't figure out man is why in today's technology man today's technology i mean i can take my phone and zoom in across the road and pick up a street sign clear as day and take a picture of it well and why in the heck can't anybody get a clear photo is it like now, and I understand, okay, you're dealing with a UFO. Now, do they realize they're being filmed and they're throwing out some kind of, you know, force field or something that's, you know, causing the picture to be blurry or what? Which, well, what's your thoughts on that? Well, the thing is, here's the interesting thing. If you think about it logically, over time, okay, throughout millennia and decades and, and, and so forth and eras of, of history, 
there's always been some documented proof of somebody saying, hey, I saw this in the sky. And as times change and technology changes, things become reported differently, documented differently. And as the technology age has really started coming around since the late 30s, early 40s going forward, with real technology minus the camera or photography in the late 1800s going forward, that's really when you could document things and get a, get a still photo or, or video, first black and white and then color. And now it's to the point to where anybody could pull out a cell phone and try to get a video with whatever they see. The thing is, is nine times out of 10, when you are sitting there and you're going ahead and you see something, you are going to try and document it. But the problem is, is your phone is not going to be able to handle it at all. And because of that, you know, your eye can perceive it fine. But when you go ahead and try to look back at whatever the item is, like you're saying, why can't people just get a clear item of it? Then that's when it's like, wow, this looks like junk. That's just most of the time it does. That's how it is. You know, the cell phones and stuff like that, they're only good for five feet, 10 feet, maybe 30 feet max. But no, but that's, that's what I'm saying though. No, that's what I'm saying though, is like these new phones, you can, you can like from here, like a hundred yards away, 200 yards away, I can, I can zoom in. And see a street sign as plain as day. It's clear. Take a picture of it. Yep. Boom. Looks like I was standing on top of it. Yep. Exactly. So, but that's with you being so close to you. When, well, yeah. I mean, I understand they're in the sky and stuff. I'm just, it just seems, it's, it's like Bigfoot, man. What irritates me is we know that there's a Bigfoot. We know that there's skunk apes. And every picture is blurry. It's like, come on, man. Somebody has to have a clear picture of what they're catching. I mean, if I can take a clear picture of a deer running across the field or, you know, something standing there, then why why is it that when a Bigfoot shows up or an alien, you know, UFO or something shows up, it's blurry? It's like, come on. I mean, because that's that's what people do, man, because they're already sort of skeptic about stuff. And so when it's a blurry picture, they're like, come on, man, really? Like, we're supposed to pick out what that is. Right. But you see, here's the thing, though, to that, depending on what is showing this is going to also speak leaps and volumes of what it's trying to attest to or really show. If it's something that's in the entertainment industry and they're showing this nine times out of 10, it's to get viewers. It's to get people to come back. It's to do the cliffhangers. It's to get people to say, well, I almost saw what they were talking about, but I have to watch the next episode. It's a hook. When you have no, I dig that. I dig that. But when you watch live footage, like I'm talking actual footage, like if yeah. you go and do and like say, because some of the shows, I I dig what you're saying there, and I don't mean to cut you off like that, but I I don't want to get too far off. But what I'm trying to say is, is like some of the shows do pull like footage that somebody took. Like here's a footage of Joe Blow doing this and that, right? So, and he captures an unidentified flying object 
everything else around is clear, but that object, he shows, he tries to show it and it's blurry and it's like, come on, dude, you know, but I, I mean, it's, it's believe me when I say I, I experienced it firsthand and I've experienced it being out here on the road. I've experienced some phenomena several times in the sky. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like it's something that new. So I do believe in it. I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just saying maybe I should go try to get a clear picture of it. That's that's what should happen. <laughs> well, it's well it the the problem that nine times out of ten is people don't notice things during the daytime unless it's over a magic epic center that's like over a town or something that's blatantly obvious. People are only gonna see things of that nature being a UAP UFO at nighttime when it stands out or dusk when the contrast is there when your eye can pick up something doesn't look like everything else you know when the sky is kind of orange and hazy or or you know the purples or reds or depending on how ever the lights you know going with everything and how it looks with the sunset people aren't normally going to just say oh look there's a ufo it has to stand out somehow. And I find that interesting that, you know, for, for UAP UFO sightings, I, I'm always curious, is it more prevalent in, in, in sparsely populated locations like out in the middle of nowhere in the country? Or is it going to no. be more so on the coasts? Is it going to be next to surrounding, you know, big epic center cities? you know, or towns is well, from research, is there a running theme there that kind of gives credence to it? What do you think? Well, from, from research that I've done, a lot of it's around our military bases. Yeah. And also bodies of water bodies. of So there, yeah, there's, there's been proof. There's been sightings where some unidentified objects coming out of lakes, like flying out of a lake at, at a high rate of speed and even the ocean, the Navy has picked up stuff coming out of the ocean. Like they pick stuff up on sonar or whatever. And next thing you know, this object that comes flying out of the ocean is, is gone in the sky in like seconds. So the, the, the research that I've done on some of that, they are thinking that a lot of these, alien ships are using bodies of water to hide their vessels hmm. and every now and then you catch one leaving that's interesting i mean i don't remember the percentage offhand but when you look at the landmass ratio to the to the weight or not weight but to the to the water mass obviously water's going to win for the you know for, i think it's like 83 or 87% or something like that offhand um, is what I'm guessing. Of course. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably going to get emails and messages now saying, hey, you were wrong, Bax. But, well, just, it, <laughs> <laughs> it, that's just, fine. Just under, I mean, you, you know, go take a look at the doomsday map and that'll show you how much water is going to cover the country. But anyway, it's, you know, it, you're, you're right, though. The, it's, it's a huge percentage of water that it in on the earth. So you, you look at, there's there well some of the water is actually dissipating in some areas hmm. but there's there's an area i forget the name of this river that's over there by one of the one of the religious countries anyway it's the the river is fading it's like 
depleting. And now that it's depleting, there's all these caverns and underground tunnels and caves and stuff that are coming to light because the water, it was all underwater. And the reports are that there's weird sounds and noises coming from deep inside the caves. They don't know what it is, but there's another theory to it. I'm not going to get into it, but okay. But anyway, when you when you think about that area, that river depleting, and you're finding these underground towns and caves, I don't want to say towns, but like caverns and and just like I'm and I'm, and I'm talking big enough you can drive, you know. You could stack four or five tractor trailers on them and drive right through there. You know what I mean? That's how hmm. tall they are. They're wide. They're huge. But anyway, when when you think about that underwater, that stuff was underwater. Was that their hiding places? Those caverns and caves, while the water was over, well, you couldn't see it from above because the river that that body of water was covering them. Now that it's depleted, these things come to light. Was was that where they were hiding? Right. I see what you're saying. Right. So when you when you go around so my whole point of that is like when you go around and you see you know like places where water has receded or gone away and you see a tunnel or a cave or a, a cavern of some sort and it's humongous like huge and you you begin to wonder what was there who who that was that you know expansive uh, big and cavernous inside i see what you're saying because you know for it to be underwater it's one thing if you know there's a crevice you know where it drops down lower or if there's splits you know and the volcanic comes up through or you know you got the different streams that are going underneath the water depending on where it is located in the ocean to degrade you know the bottom and to smooth out the rocks and all that. But when you have, like you're saying, big blatant caves that just don't make sense, then it's like, how did this happen? And right. is, is it natural? And if you if you ever want to, and I, I, I've located it, just, just so you know, I, I went ahead and looked it up because it was bothering me why I couldn't figure it, why I couldn't remember the name. It's this very easy name. Don't know why I forgot it, but the Euphrates River. Yep. So if if you if people we're not going to get into that, but if if anybody wants to go research it or go look at it, they have pictures of these caverns that was under the Euphrates River. Now you look at the river; it's not that wide in some areas. So for these caverns to be like huge, I mean they're enormous. And the mysterious part of basically the river, you know, I guess evaporating, if you want to say it's, it's, it's going away. It was a mighty, it was once a mighty and life sustaining waterway is now drying up oh, yeah. at an alarming rate. Yeah. Well, everything over and, and for the most part, the majority of earth, <clears throat> except for the major landmass, which used to be all the continents put together until they broke off, everything was connected in theory. And, you know, everything did what it's did. So basically you are putting your hat in the ring to say, you think that the oceans of the world 
can potentially house life forms or entities or things that aren't from this planet that utilize the water as a way to hide their ships, their UFOs, UAPs, to place them so they're not so obvious and apparent to the civilizations that we have around the world. Yeah, I do believe that because think of how much of the ocean we have not discovered yet. I mean, there's they're talking now that, you know, not to get into prehistoric stuff, but they're talking now like they think there's a megalodon running around, you know, that's they they find these huge sharks 13, 15 foot long just bitten in half and it has to be something bigger than them to bite them. So, if if you're if you're trying to imagine and the reason I bring that up is just think about it. If you're trying to imagine that a megalodon has come out of the depths of the ocean, then what else have we that's going to come out of the depths of the ocean? See, you know I, what I mean? I, I like that theory, though, because then you're talking about sub, you know, sub classifications of the hidden earth theory, if you, if you will, where there's, you know, so many layers below what we've discovered and drilled that there could be a whole nother biome, <laughs> maybe, of, of animals or people. Who knows? You know. But that's 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 way off topic. But it is it is way off topic. But but you got to think about it because when you say UFOs in the ocean or UFOs in the lake, now think about when I say that a UF they have filmed UFOs coming out of a lake. What if that lake is like if it dries up, winds up being like the Euphrates? there's a bunch of big caverns and stuff underneath that no. lake. I mean, it's, it's, it's very possible. You never know. I mean, I, I think UFOs and UAPs, I think they're there. Do I think in our lifetimes, we will ever get a straight answer from anybody that maybe knows more than the average person? No, not at all. No, we'll never No. No, because it would it would put the fear in people. But here's the thing, though: movies, movies are such a telltale tale. So, like, and I, I I might be, I don't know, if you want to say a conspiracy, but whatever. But a lot of movies, if certain areas of a movie can predict something, but if if people keep watching movies like Star Wars, or watch Aliens you know, these the creatures come down and eat people or whatever, or predator or any kind of, any kind of sci-fi space movie. Right. Okay. I mean, you, you remember back in the day, man, we had Buck Rogers and <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, man, yeah. which was cool. I used to watch that as a kid. So, but, um, so you're talking about movies that aren't like campy BC class movies, but you're talking about things being movies that have a air of plausibility or, or feasibility to them that make you think, well, maybe this could be like this in a way. Well, not, well, not make you think, but also what it does is it prepares your mind. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say, let's say, you know, let's say ghost, ghost hunters, you know, they came out, and the first part they were trying to do is they were trying to debunk the paranormal. They had to ease their way in to letting people know that 
you know, there is spirits, there's another realms and there's ghosts and shadow people and all that. Right. Yeah. To slow walk it. Well, um, for society. Right. So think of, think of star Wars way before it's time. Great, great series way before it's time. Battlestar Galactica, you know, Buck Rogers, all this heck. What was the one with the robot? The family had the robot and the kid. Well, it's always like it's it's evading me. Danger, right danger, now. will. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it always. You know, it's what I'm talking about. It's like danger, danger, Will Rogers or something. You know, Will Rogers. And he always it was like the yeah. kids. Will Rogers. Yeah, he talked to the kid. But anyway, so you get to the point. What I'm saying is, if you keep watching that, you're not really thinking. Okay, does this stuff really exist? You're watching the show because it's a cool show. And it's really before it's time. It's something different. You're watching it, but what it's doing is it's preparing your mind. Well, yeah, it's expanding. So that when you expanding the horizons to not say this is real, but just to give the air of caution to say, hey, yes, it's a story. No, yes, but it's when entertainment, you but no, but that way. So let's say. So let me just get to the point here. You're walking down the street and a UFO flies by. Are you going to run and hide and get scared? No, because you've already seen stuff like that on TV. You've already, it's already prepared your mind to look at it. So you're you're comfortable with it. So you're just going to be like, oh, look at that. And you're going to stand there and film it. Until it vaporizes you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and, and until you get into, uh, you know, what is that? Independence Day where you're standing on a building and it just, you know, yeah. drops a bomb on you. But anyway, but but that's what I'm saying is a lot of movies prepare you for stuff. and and. That way, when you see it, like you've done seen it on the big screen or you've seen it on your TV so much that when you see it in real life, it does not surprise you, basically. Like you've seen it. So your mind is already prepared for it. Now, that makes sense. So so now so that's my belief on now why the government can come out and say, OK, we're now everybody's kind of questioning, blah, blah, blah. Let's shut them up and just feed them a little bit of crap or whatever to soothe their mind which which their reports to me nobody was shocked like nobody went oh my god they're talking about alien life form no everybody sat there and watched it on tv why because they were already prepared for it well it's been, been something space it's, movies. Well, well yeah you're right but it's also been something that's literally been in play now for about 85 years like well, within our society, ever since everything happened with Roswell and all that stuff, and I mean, there's a million different ways to go with that, but I won't get into all that right now. But it just, I, no, I, can, I completely see you, what you're saying, though. Yeah. So, it, the long story short is a lot of movies prepare you for what you're about to see. And then when you do see it, you're not so excited. You're not really like overly. Like, oh my God, I gotta go to the store yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy all the stuff off the shelves and I'm gonna hide. Well, the you're bunker. you're you're desensitized. You're more psychologically you and emotionally calm and accepting of the details versus being hyper vigilant and hyper alert to the situation at hand. So with all that being said on the UFOs. What is your what's your thought process on uh, skinwalkers? Oh, we're done talking about UFOs. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we could keep going on and on and make it a twelve part mini podcast series. You know, I mean, 
But well, yeah, do you yeah. know like do you know how many so you know all the different shapes of UFOs, right? So out of let's let's say you've had egg shapes, cigar shapes, rectangles, diamonds, discs, fireballs, other meaning like anything other than that, triangles changing ones that change shape and then guess guess what the other one is cigar shape orbs orbs no i already said cigar shape i already said cigar shape so orbs so out of out of orbs triangle other fireball diamonds rectangles changing cigar egg and discs which one has been seen the most orb you're exactly right so this is just a rough guesstimate I don't go by any kind of charts that I've researched or anything as being legit because especially the age, if the, if the chart's like 10 years old, obviously those numbers have grown. So orbs, they're saying 27,093 orbs have been spotted. Now, second is triangles at 19,000. The third would be others, like any other kind of shapes. Hmm. Fourth was fireballs, which I can I can see that because even back you can date UFOs back to like the BC era, like back to the 1400 BC era, where there was reports of battles going on and they all of a sudden like fireball like something fiery just dropped out of the sky or was flying around in the sky. But anyway, dip come next at eight thousand eggs at seven. Cigar shape, which you do hear a lot about cigar shape stuff, it obviously comes in after egg shape at 6,000, changing at 3,000, almost 4,000, uh, rectangle at 2,500, and diamond shape at 2,000. So, but orbs, now you, you go back to the orbs, man. It's funny that you, you can, let me just, let me throw a quick hypothesis, kind of like, Paranormal versus alien. We do have photos, what looks like sometimes an alien, you know, manifesting a ghost, or you see the alien head in the window or something. You know what I'm saying? We've we've taken pictures of that stuff. Okay. So, and we've we've always stated that, we've always kind of stated that, you know, is it aliens trying to use our past history to be able to communicate with us in some kind of way. So what if <laughs> it's going to make me become an orb guy? What <laughs> I'm not an orb guy, but what if you're talking about alien life forms, right? So you watch men in black, right? So they can be as tiny as a remote for your car, right? So what if you're taking a picture and investigation and you catch an orb and it's actually an, alien some kind of alien <laughs> spaceship flying through the picture a little micro spaceship it's right like, come it's, on it's like right? the, it's like the jetsons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no when i read that though that's the first thing i thought of i said wow how many orbs have we captured that could be alien life man i like your i like the fact you're a free thinker and you're outside the box that's that's definitely one perspective i never thought of I never thought of it either until I did the research a while back and, and, uh, you know, actually was looking at orbs and I was like 27, almost 27, 100 orb shaped objects have been spotted. Now they're alien 
they can do things. They have the ability to do things. So what if they could shrink? And, you know, like some of those pictures, we've caught alien, like that one alien standing outside of May Stringer that looked like he was actually manifesting the child that I caught sitting on the porch, standing off to the left. He was probably, what, seven foot tall, had the alien-looking head. <clears throat> what if what if he could shrink himself and a little flying object was flying across the picture and we thought it was just a spirit orb, could have been a alien aircraft hmm. <laughs> or flying through. I know that's way outside the box, but that's where I'm at with it, you know? Definitely interesting. Definitely interesting. But yeah, it's it's UFOs, man. Abductions. You can get into abductions. One of the hot topics. Well, let's say during the Cold War, first of all, did you know that during from 1947 to 1969, there was probably over 12,000 sightings. And I know there was a project that you wanted to talk about a little bit, which was the Blue Book, I believe. Yeah. The What kind of info can you tell us about the Blue Book real quick? So <clears throat> basically the way Project Blue Book works is it was a organization within the government that was assigned to go around and review everything that was considered UFO sightings and basically see what was going on with all these unexpected phenomenons and to look into it. And at least as far as what's been published, it's the first real attempt at at least for the air forces sides of the house to have an organization to open up a department to say, Hey, what's really going on and to dig into it. So I thought that was pretty neat because as me and you both know, and some people that may be listening are aware of this normally when it comes to official things like this, these aren't things that are disclosed openly and they're usually kept very close to the vest also with having to have security clearances to know about these things. It's need to know only. And the only reason why any of this was even divulged or spoke of because a, there were people that were passing away that passed on the information about their experience literally on their deathbed B the statute of limitations was reached on certain things. So then the information became unclassified and information was imparted to the masses on certain things that were able to be researched and, and opened up and looked at by, you know, John Q public, anybody that wasn't affiliated with organizations and did a, a, a request of information. There's been websites and, and documentaries and interviews and all sorts of stuff about Project Blue Book. But that's just one particular facet of this with a known entity officially saying, hey, here's what's going on. Normally, well, when, being that, but you know, normally when something happens, it stays hush hush and quiet. And you're not going to know about it unless you have a specific job that puts you in the know and that's it. 
And when you know things, you can't talk about things. And if you do talk about things, then there's repercussions. And so people don't ever talk about things. And the only way it ever comes to light is when so much time has passed. And we're not talking five, 10, or 15 years. We're talking decades upon decades that when the information does get disclosed, it's no longer an issue for it becoming a problem on a national level that could compromise things. So that's why a lot of times you'll find things getting disclosed or unclassified 40, 50, 60 years later because it's old news and it's irrelevant to what's going on in this day and age for that information. So, Right. So anyway, you know, there's, there's, there is a, this is a huge topic, huge topic, UFOs, aliens, abductions. Heck, we didn't even get to area 51, but do you know, just real quick, do you know, besides the blue book, what other report was put out? What, what report you're referencing? The Condon report. Oh yeah. There was a, there was Edward Condon. I believe his name was, there was a report of 37 scientists that wrote chapters or parts for this report. And I think, and I think that if we do another episode, we're going to have to do another episode of UFOs, but. Oh, by the way, lost in space. That was that show. Thank you. Thank you. Lost in space. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. I used to watch that one. It just popped in my head. <laughs> I used to, but I used to watch the Jetsons too. But anyway, so the Condon report was basically, I want to say kind of like the end of the UFO investigation. I think it was like the blue book kind of started it. And then this Edward Condon created this report. I mean, I could go into it deeper, but like I said, there was 37 scientists that wrote chapters or parts for the report of the Condon report, but that's another report besides the blue book that was brought out. There's just so much to talk about there. Area 51 is a huge topic. So, but since we're in Nevada and we can go up to the neighboring state of Utah. Because Area 51 was and, located in Nevada for people that didn't know. Yes. Now that I'm talking about Area 51 in Nevada, we can go to Utah. Because Utah is located in Nevada. We can go to the Uena Basin. Uena Basin. Uh, yep. That's where Skinwalker Ranch is located. There you go. And now, even though I have watched videos of dogs doing weird things, walking on their hind lanes like a human being, you know, and there's actually some videos of people who actually think they caught Skinwalker, but as much technology there is, you know, because it shows like a, like a cat one time running across the road and is about to get hit by a car and it actually you could see the leg come up and it actually transformed into a human being. And the dude just kind of walked across. It was caught on a, basically a CCC, where we call them TV, like the camera off the street, basically. Yeah. CCTV, closed circuit television. Yeah. So, or, or video. Don't know. Right. Any kind of, it was like a street camera basically. Yeah. And so, but in the basin, like years ago, hundreds of years was the 
Ute and Navajo tribes were the two major tribes that populated that land, that area there. And basically, for years, they had kind of an un- uneasy relationship. You know, they raided each other. And sometimes they did ally with each other, you know, conducting raiding parties on each other as well. Basically, that's why I go back to them raiding, but they were taking slaves. Anyway, it's it's a relationship between the two tribes that deteriorated completely during the Civil War when the Ute betrayed the Navajo by allying with Kit Carson, a U.S. Army soldier. And everybody knows about Kit Carson. He was the one leading the the campaign to oust the Navajo from their lands. So with the help of the Ute and other tribes, they were pretty much successful, as we know, to have the Navajo surrender and were forced to basically goes to Fort Sumter on the reservation. Now, being that that happened, the Ute have been convinced ever since that the Navajo had laid a curse on the land in retaliation for their betrayal. And since that time, the land has been basically haunted by what they call skinwalkers, malevolent, shape-shifting witches of Navajo lore. Okay. So the Navajo, I believe, called them a demonic shift-changer. The Ute believe that these monsters basically they're they're large and they avoid going to the ranch or entering its territory interesting it's an interesting thing that they do that however ancient rock art of the tribes in that region have depicted strange animal human hybrid creatures since well before the civil war so if it's before the civil war then obviously i'm gonna say the Navajo didn't put a curse on there. This has been going on for a while. So here's the question. <clears throat> you know, it sounds like a feud between organizations or tribes. Sounds like curses. Sounds like a lot of things people don't understand. What's the reality or truth in this happening a lot longer than just when this feud happened? Who's to say that this wasn't happening for hundreds, if not thousands of years already. And there was, well, just, right. Because there was the just, Nav- there was just a, a name put on it, you know, like an official. Right. And, and if you do the research on it, they talk about the Ute, but if you go to, if you go to the Navajo section, which is where I'd really like to, you know, base research on is the Navajo culture. A skinwalker to them is a type of harmful, witch who has the ability to turn into, possess or disguise themselves as an animal this the, and, and and just so you know the term is and even though they call a healer a witch or something that term is never used for healers it's only used for skinwalkers and like i said that the, them using the d word a demonic type creature so that that right there captures my attention when they say that they're demonic because it's like, okay, now, now you're dealing with a little bit of something totally different than just some harmful witches who have the ability to switch. Do you agree to that? That's, that's definitely interesting. Right. So it's, it's, it, I, I just can't like the demonic shapeshifter, the native Americans won't mention by name. Why? 
you know, it's, you know, there, there is certain demons that you don't want to say their name for certain reasons, right? You've heard about the lores and the tales of that. Oh yeah. So why wouldn't the Navajo say their name? Now, is there something, some, you know, we start out talking about skinwalker shape shifting. Okay. But now when you start investigating the Navajo side of it and they're saying it's a demonic shape shifter, that native Americans. So you're not talking just Navajo. You're talking the whole native American tribe. Basically wouldn't, wouldn't that mean, wouldn't that be what that means? Then that native Americans won't mention by name. Well, native Americans inherently, that's just a coin term of obviously individuals regionally, depending on where you're talking about, there's tons of tribes all throughout American history. That's what I'm saying though. So you're not, you're not just saying that the Navajo is not going to mention their name. Right. They're saying that Native Americans themselves, which means all tribes, right, won't mention. Yeah, the name. and if they don't, you know, I'm sure there might be different verbiage depending on what tribe that you're following up with, because you know they all have different dialects and in, in, in the way they speak, and each have their own histories with respect to you know their culture. I wouldn't be surprised if with every single native American tribe that if they did not have the same word for a skinwalker, if they had a word that was similar for the same meaning, but from a standpoint of what it represents, something I'm curious about is, is it going to be the same for every tribe or is it not going to be the same? Or is there going to be a varied of opinion? You know, I just don't know. That's just the way I'm, looking at it right now right on and that's and that's the thing you know because all right so the the skinwalkers are shape-shifting witches that disguise themselves as deformed animals like wolves and bears so wolves and bears wolves are dogs so it's funny that when i watch these videos of these dogs and people filming their dogs doing like human stuff like walking on their hind legs and then like this one video, the dog's walking around the house on its back legs like a human being. And then it comes around the corner and notices its owner sees it and it drops down on all fours and just stares at him like, oh, you caught me. <laughs> but that's unnerving. But the, <laughs> you walk in <laughs> what I'm saying, you walk into the kitchen and your 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 beloved pet cat or dog sitting there cooking eggs, making breakfast, making some OJ and you walk in. Then they go down and they're like, wolf or meow, like, whoops. They've been busted. Right. And they, they do have one that the dog was in the fridge, in the refrigerator, standing on its hind legs, like it opened the refrigerator door. The, the, the owner walks up to the refrigerator, like walks up to the kitchen door area, let's say coming out of the living room or whatever. And he's filming and he walks over and the, you see the refrigerator doors open, right? Yeah. And he just goes, what are you doing? And the dog literally leans back and looks around the refrigerator and then drops the all for us. That's interesting. And then you got some that are capturing these, these dogs that actually have a human type facial feature to them. What smile? Like they're like they, well, the smiles, the eyes, like the eyes are real human. Like they're not dog like. It's almost like they haven't fully transformed into the dog. 
hmm. which is kind of weird. That's interesting. So, but anyway, these four-legged animals, these humanoid figures, they've been terrorizing families in the American Southwest, I guess, for a long time. The legend of the shape-shifting entity known as Skinwalker has largely been relegated to hoax status, after all. Hmm. So basically, they're saying it's a hoax. So here we go again. You, you come out with spirits and entities and ghosts and demons. You get to the biblical side, and then all of a sudden now it's a hoax. That right there in itself will make me want to research the crap out of it because if you're if they brought a series out now I never watched the series. Like I said, I I I watched one episode where. Like I said, they were standing out in the middle of the desert in the back part of it, and they were trying to wait for some UFO phenomenon because they were trying to see if the UFO phenomenon was actually part of the Skinwalker phenomenon, which Skinwalker, this is a paranormal deal. So for somebody to say that it's it's been relegated as a hoax, I don't know, because you're talking about Native Americans, man, and Native Americans, like you, they believe themselves that they have, let's say you have Walking Eagle. Well, where did he get his name from? Well, he's a, he's a walking person, but he can, he can shape shift into an eagle and fly. They used to believe that the Native Americans can do that. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not really gonna say that it's, it's a hoax. I'm gonna say there's some reality to it. I just think they haven't found this shape shifting deal because look at look at the game cameras. If you go if you go and you watch game cameras of people, you know, they catch some weird animal with with offset now it says deformed, right? So that would be something's wrong with it. So you would see some kind of creature come out of the woods where its front legs are longer than its back legs or something, you know, and it's walking sideways on a game camera. Right? You've seen those? Yes. Okay, so how do you know that's not a skinwalker? You don't. You take it with a grain of salt. And you just, you know, you got to do the smell test. If it doesn't smell right, if it doesn't look right, it doesn't seem right, if it doesn't match up with your brain saying this is normal, then something's not right. You know? And that's the thing is I think a lot of times for these instances of people reporting seeing skinwalkers or hearing of it or hearing of someone else's experience i think it's all going to come down to how well founded is the evidence of what was experienced by that individual you know because the thing that's interesting with the human brain is you can have a lot going on and you could think you see something and you could go back to that person five minutes later and say, Hey, what was this person wearing? And they're going to say, Oh, this person was wearing a red shirt with a blue baseball cap, white pants, black shoes. And you're like, okay. And then you show them a photo (laughs) and it's like white shoes, brown pants, you know, purple hat and green top, not even close, but your brain tries to put pieces together to make it make sense. And what I'm getting at by saying that is, is that under times of duress, stress, confusion 
uncertainty or any type of heightened emotion, your brain doesn't necessarily always encode everything correctly that happens. So when you try to recall it, it's going to be scrambled a little bit. It's not going to be 100% accurate. Details are going to be a little fuzzy. So that's why. Well, it's like the it's like the one word, ten people line. Yeah, you know, you start with the first person and go, "Hey, I saw a dog cross the street." You tell that to the second person. That person tells it to the third person. And by the time you get to the tenth person, it's like this dog stumbled across the street, or you know, got wet, or whatever. The whole story has changed. Right. And know? exactly. That's that's my whole point. I think ultimately, right. for any type of profound experience somebody has may encountered or heard of dealing with skinwalkers i think it's going to come down to evidence and it's going to come down to this is what i saw or this is what i think i saw because if it's on video or photo you can't dispute it that's you know a exact snapshot representative of what was there what happened at that time well see and this and and what makes me Okay, so shift changers. Okay, fine. But you know, when you when you talk about the Skinwalker Ranch, the basically the family the, there was a family that lived on the ranch and they had a traumatizing experience. But they're talking like cattle mutilations, disappearances and crop circles and UFO sightings. You're 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 straight up talking UFOs. Yeah. I mean, everything that you just mentioned, that I just mentioned right there, that that was in that research, cattle mutilation, disappearance, that'd be abduction, you know, crop circles, that's UFOs. So could it be aliens running around there, shape-shifting into animals to try to, you know, get closer to the, the human people? I could don't know. Be. Could be recon. They could be... <laughs> Trying to assimilate to see able, what's going on, you know, who knows? Right, and 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 being that, I think that that property is near a military base. They're not too far from the military base, I believe, because I remember I did watch part of that episode. I think they had some military jets that were flying over, and the guy was calling them out like those are military planes; those aren't UFOs. Well, I'll, I'll say this: I actually watched all that series. I am a logical scientific person a big big part of me is that way i still have the what if scenario also side of me but for the things that they presented it was very thought-provoking and gave different scenarios on why things that were happening on certain levels could be presented that way I'm not going to get into the details because I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen that series. It's a, it's, it's definitely a pretty cool series to watch, but I will leave it at this. There are things naturally occurring in the earth and the environment that happens that can change or distort perceptions on many different levels. Rather it's interpersonal, rather it's visual Rather, it's auditory, rather it's smell, or rather it's using technology. So, yeah, but so when you say that though, like this guy, like about a year after they moved in one night, I, I think the guy's name was something Sherman, the Sherman family or something. 
Anyway, he said he was walking his dogs or something late at night. He encountered a wolf. Now, this wolf was no ordinary wolf. It was like way bigger than a, a normal one. And it had glowing red eyes. And basically, it was unfazed by the three close-range shots that he blasted in the side of it. Hmm. I guess he tried to shoot it. And he said it was unfazed. Now, this this is so... This is basically, I guess, how it started with them questioning, like, what the heck was that? Like, first of all, first of all, I'm surprised that you got you tried to get close enough to a, a wolf that's way bigger. I think it was like three or four times bigger than a normal wolf, which, which if you know the normal size of a regular wolf, those dogs are big. Oh, they yeah. They stand tall. Yeah, yeah, they are big. I mean, if you took a full-size German Shepherd, okay, I mean, we're talking, you know, a little over four foot, maybe three foot high max for a German Shepherd. Wolves can easily, a, a real 100% pure blood wolf can easily tower that dog for stature. Yeah, they're four. For, they can be four width, foot. Yeah, for width, for height. I mean, they are, I mean, it's it's been a known fact. All modern dogs have been descendants of wolves. Well, of course. They're all this, and even wolves are descendant of something. So, but I, I know where they're going with that. You want me to tell you what you want, me, you want me to tell you what they're descendants from? What the technical term is a wolfy mammoth. Get it? Wolfy mammoth. Never mind. Bad joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a wolfy mammoth. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say veal. But anyway, they. So I know what they're getting at with that. That he encountered. So this thing is three to four times bigger than a, a normal wolf. So he encountered a shift changer. He encountered like a werewolf. Yeah. Basically. So, I mean, what are werewolves? People that turn into wolves, right? So are they skinwalkers? Is the whole myth of werewolves from the vampire days, because vampires were real. They say that werewolves, they have proof that werewolves were real. So are we talking werewolves from back in the Transylvania days? The, that's what a, that's a skinwalker that's interesting i mean could be i mean i'm not going to name any names but when you follow certain movies that became a cult classic and hit for a while you know that was the running theme the vampires versus the wolves you know it maybe maybe that's where 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 that lineage of of thought process came from for that whole story plot. So, you know, I think ultimately the aspect of a skinwalker is something that is very intriguing and interesting. Nine times out of 10, if you think about it and you think of various phenomenon or paranormal things in the world, it's usually dedicated just to one particular entity you know, it could be Bigfoot, it could be the Chupacabra, it could be, you know, different things around the world, but it's always just one thing. With the Skinwalker, you're talking about something that is the ability and to embody transforming itself into different things. I've well, I've, it, I've never heard of anything else to this date of 
one particular item that's related to the paranormal that can shapeshift, except for that. So that's werewolves. The only thing that was right. So that's what I'm saying though. When you, when you talk about these shapeshifters, these native Americans turning themselves into wolves, would that fall in the lines of where the tale of werewolves come from? People actually seeing werewolves meant like they shot a werewolf and it, when they went, it was a dog, right? They shot it. They walked over to it. Now it's a human dude sitting there, laying there on the ground, right? Dead. So did they kill a skinwalker back then? Is that the lore of werewolves? Does the actual lore of skinwalkers fall back to the lore of werewolves? Makes you think, don't it? Interesting. But some traditions, some traditions, right. But some traditions believe the skinwalkers are born from benevolent medicine man who abuses indigenous magic for evil. Now, this is a whole nother twist, see? So now you're talking magic. You're talking, what, voodoo? You're talking whatever. This medicine man, he is then given mythical powers of evil that vary from tradition to tradition. So the power of all traditions mentioned is the ability to turn or turn into or possess an animal or person. Other traditions believe a man, woman, or child can become a skinwalker should they commit to basically any kind of deep-seated taboo. So when you when you dig into skinwalkers, that's why I can't. That's probably why it wasn't a good thing for me to watch the series and try to follow that because then I would just be like UFOs, UFOs, UFOs all day long, right? Except the part where the guy supposedly put three rounds into a a wolf that was three or four times bigger than a normal wolf. So then I'm thinking werewolves and the lore of the, the folk tale of werewolves and, and basically what we've been told all our lives as children with vampires, werewolves, of course, Frankenstein was real, but what are the two, the two monsters that are always, that always are in movies is werewolves and vampires because they were legit. Well, but not only so, that, though, those were the focal points and staples of what was scary. With the movie cinema experience that really sparked in the late 20s, 30s, 40s, especially the 50s, they started planting these specific genre-type experiences to strike fear into individuals. The Swamp Thing was one. You know, being a vampire was one. You know, the wolf. But then again, if you think and of you it, talk anyways, it, that's like Teen Wolf, which wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> it wasn't so much scary. That. <laughs> but my whole point is, is that the the movie industry cinema experience is very good at taking something that could be docile and creating and pumping it up into something that can put it on a platform to give people an experience and, and well let's, let's go let's go go ahead and that's what go ahead go ahead Keep well, going. Th- well that's Sorry. well that's why you automatically brought up if you think about it vampires and werewolves it did its job it implanted the thought process of hey it's these two things you know well i just uh, i look at it that way because vampires and werewolves were legit legitimately especially vampires were actually a thing. I mean, draw cool was an actual real person. 
So, but you know, when you talk about skin, so here we go again, skinwalkers, werewolves. Okay. How do you, how do you kill a werewolf? Very carefully. <laughs> With a silver bullet, right? Silver bullets, silver bullets, right? That, so well, that's the lore. That's the lore, right? But here's, here's what I'm getting at. So skinwalkers are described as being mostly anim- animalistic physically, even when they are in human form, they're reportedly near impossible to kill except with a bullet or knife dipped in white ash. You see, but that's lore though, you know, and that's where I think a lot of the paranormal theories or stories or lore or history come about is putting information out and then it changes over time. And depending on what... no, it hasn't. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Right. You're, you're talking about you're talking about killing. A, you know, okay, okay. So what I'm saying is though, is as is, is I'm trying to put skinwalkers and werewolves together because now I'm really thinking about that. Like, like okay, now I find a part in a section of research that I've done that says that they're near impossible to kill. Werewolves near impossible to kill except with a bullet. Okay, so now they're talking skinwalkers are nearly impossible to kill except with a bullet. That's how you kill a werewolf is with a silver bullet. So there's nothing. So that's what I'm saying. And, I, and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm just trying to say that this story about a skinwalker, they change into wolves and bears. Now you're talking, let's say, now I brought up the point of werewolves, right? Where are the, is the legend of werewolves actually talking about skinwalkers back then and you could kill both a skinwalker wolf and a werewolf with a bullet hmm. you see where i'm going with that interesting so the more you that's what i'm saying the more you dig into it and the more research that i've done on it it's crazy crazy similar that the native americans transformed into werewolves basically they're wolves they're they're wolves let's just say wolves and of course, it's a human being transforming into a wolf, so that makes the wolf bigger than a normal wolf. The red eyes—we've talked about that with shadow people, where certain shadow figures have different colored eyes, or even spirits trying to manifest themselves would have different colored eyes. And th- and that we didn't really feel like the red eyes really. When you see red eyes, okay, everybody's like evil, demonic, whatever. That's probably why they figured that they're demonic because they have this guy tried to shoot one and it had red eyes. So, but Mm. technically the red eyes could have been like, if you were shining a flashlight, you know, you shine a flashlight at an animal's eyes, it changes colors. Yep. Or, yep. 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 And that's because just the way it is, but I, I I get what you're saying. You know, everything that we're speaking of about everything with native American culture and so forth is strictly, you know, mine and Dalton's theory on what we've researched into and opinion. There's no way, shape, or form that anything that we've stated is the de facto 100% truth or 1% truth of what it is. So I just wanted to put that out there that we are just imparting things that we've learned and tying in different things to share this experience. So... Yeah, we, we we put it out there all the time. Is that's why we call ourselves theory paranormal. It's our theory. It's our experiences. 
And, and obviously the way that I'm trying to say this is that when I start researching, when I had started researching skinwalkers and learn what they transform into, learn what the family has run into. Basically, besides the different languages, the guy heard and stuff, but he ran into a wolf that was three to four times bigger than a normal wolf. First thing in my mind is werewolf. I mean, werewolves were huge. So I don't know why I thought about that, but everything I started researching about, I just kept thinking, wow, that ties into the werewolf legend or lore. Yep. And so that's why I was just kind of like bringing it out. Like it doesn't have to be a fact, but it does make you think is the, is the legend of the werewolf actually a skinwalker is, is I mean, who came up with skinwalker anyway? I, I never, did you ever figure out where that besides the Navajo name of skinwalker? I mean, I guess that's where it came from. Basically skinwalker. It's a human being turning into an animal. Okay, cool. But why wasn't this ever brought out before? Like, you know, well, it's a cultural you're, thing. You're talk- I, I, I would speculate it was a cultural thing, like an urban legend or lore. And it's not something that you would generalize, generally just put out there. I mean, I can only speculate. So, but as, as I believe, I believe skinwalkers coming. I mean, I know, I, I, I don't know what you, what you and take on it. And I know we've been talking a while. But I, I believe that skinwalkers come in, in like there there probably is some shift changing stuff going on. And I believe it comes in multiples because, like I said, there's some strange creatures that have shown up on game cameras that I've watched or people that have filmed something weird in the woods. And it kind of sh- it shift, you know, shift changed into something else. You know what I mean? It's it's. I think it's kind of unique and weird at the same time. I, I think there's many things out there that we will never understand. And there are things out there that a few select people, organizations or entities do understand, but everybody else will never know. That's just, that's just my, my thoughts on that. But as far as it goes, Dalton, this concludes our season two episode to podcast of skinwalkers and uaps and ufos as always if anybody has any questions thoughts concerns or want to contact us or share any evidence to first review for you you can email us info at theoryparanormal.com and we'll be sure to get back to you besides that dalton as always it has been a pleasure speaking with you and uh, yeah likewise and, and we definitely got to do a part i mean we keep saying we're gonna do a part two we, we need to do a Part two of UFO. There's so much UFO stuff we haven't oh, touched on. And I'm beginning to think I'm I'm beginning to think that could be just one episode and then we need to do a part two of Skinwalkers because I'm thinking if I keep digging into if if we both, you know, keep and I and I kind of took control of that. My apologies to you. I, I don't know if you had anything you you wanted to say about skinwalkers, but <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, hey, I know when we get on certain subjects, you know it's go time for you, you know. So. Well, right, because I'm in, I'm intrigued at the fact that werewolves and skinwalkers are kind of familiar, you know, they're kind of intertwining with each other. And, but anyway, yeah, man, it, it, it's it's always great. It's always great to do this, and I'm glad that we love what we do. And we got an investigation coming up. What April six? Yep, April six. April six. So, 
it'll be an, that'll be an episode we'll be talking about may stringer house yep. great place to investigate yep. may stringer house so that's all we have for everybody and stay tuned for our next podcast being published in march so thanks for listening everybody as always don't be afraid to ask questions <laughs>